The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast Emergency Pod Edition. Me, Ryan Wilson, joined by Tyler Sullivan, or uh, as people who know him, call him Sully. Uh, not great news if you're a Colts fan. With, that's pretty much been the case the entire season, Sully. But especially uh, on today, Monday, November 7th, hours after uh, a truly embarrassing loss to your New England Patriots, the, the Colts have decided to fire Frank Reich. So this is week nine. What are your initial reactions just hearing this news about the decision to move on from Frank Reich? I believe a week after they decided to move on for the offense coordinator. Yeah, not not totally surprising. It kind of felt like this was inevitable at some point, the way that the Colts were trending, 3-5-1 and one on the season. And at a certain point, you know, obviously the Matt Ryan stuff, whether he's benched because he's injured or because they just want to move on and see what they have in Sam Ellinger because they know that he's not the future. It felt like this team was very much on the doorstep of a reset. And I think we all looked at it from a quarterback standpoint of, okay, maybe they're going to go into the draft and get somebody else. But on top of that now, this hasn't really worked out for Frank Reich here. And you could point to the quarterback issues as being a key reason for that. But ultimately, if you're going to kind of do this hard reset, you might as well also do it at the head coaching spot. Now, could you have done it at the end of the season? Sure. But at this point now, you're you're kind of looking at them, and they, they look lifeless at this point. I mean, Sam Ellinger, 103 yards, interception. They were sacked nine times in that nine game times. yesterday. It was just, you know, really just a, a poor showing, and it has been that way for the past few weeks here for the Colts. Yeah, yesterday against the, the Patriots, and the Patriots offense, it has not been itself for – and no point during the season, and I don't think you would disagree with that. But the Colts offense made that Patriots offense look like the 2007 Patriots. The Colts went 0 for 14 on third downs yesterday. Uh, I mentioned this yesterday on the recap pick six pod, and I'll just mention it again. Zach Kiefer wrote this for the the Athletic. I just have the the quote handy, so I'll read it again. Talking about that the 
the Colts organization in the wake of that New England loss. And he, he wrote, imagine bitching your quarterback, firing your offense coordinator, trading your second best running back, trying to fix six offensive line combinations in nine weeks, shifting from run heavy to pass heavy back to run heavy, heavy and still having the worst offense in football. And I think that's, that's what's so hard to wrap your brain around. I think that offensive line in, in Indianapolis is the highest paid offensive line in the league. They're playing like one of the worst offensive lines in the league. Uh, Ryan Kelly, the center, Quentin Nelson, the guard, basically said as much after yesterday's game. And, and so like, you follow the Patriots closely. I didn't watch that game nearly as closely as you probably did. Just what were your take? Like, if you were watching this game in black and white and you, you didn't know which team was which, and you could, if you had to decide, okay, this Colts team must be Team X in the NFL, like, wh- what did that feel like to you? Because I'm sure it didn't feel like a, a typical Indianapolis team that's been so successful for so long. I mean, it felt like a preseason third quarter game. I mean, that's really what it, that's really what it felt like with you know both of these teams, but really Indianapolis. It looked like one team was playing the starters and just kind of going through the motions, trying to figure out what they kind of get right, and the other one was, all right, you know what, this is our third string guy. He's you know maybe going to make the fifty three man roster type of a of an outing there. And I mean, I mean, mm. it's like seventy five degrees in Foxborough yesterday too, so it kind of felt like it was the summer and all that too. But ultimately, it just feels like this team right now is a hundred percent lost and, and you can blame it on the quarterback situation too. I mean, I, I don't want to keep, you know, maybe you know making excuses for Frank Reich, but at the same time, you're talking about teams, this team and the Colts over the last few years, just trying to retread it at the quarterback position, whether it be Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz this year, Matt Ryan, at some point you kind of need to develop and bring somebody along. I guess maybe they were trying to do that with Ellinger, but Clearly, he doesn't seem like he's a guy. It seemed like they were just kind of maybe grasping at straws more than anything. He was a six-round pick for a reason, and no exactly. disrespect to Sam Ellinger. Exactly. And so, for me, this is more of a sign for the Colts that they are going it, to – it's going to get worse before it gets better. They're going to go to the bottom, and they're going to try to get as high of a pick as they possibly can and be in the quarterback and, and probably in a ton of your mock drafts as we get closer to the spring. Brinson's not here to defend himself, but, but he would try to make the case – throughout the the first, I don't know, six or seven weeks of the season that they play in a truly crappy division. I think the Titans actually might have something to say about that. I think we we all slept on the Titans to our detriment. And they were 3-2-1 and one after their Week 6 win over the Jaguars. They somehow scored 34 points in that game. And it felt like, I don't think at any point we all thought this team was fixed. There are teams in the NFL now that that are winning ugly, and you're like, okay, hopefully they can figure this out. At no point did I feel great about this Colts team, even when they were 3-2-1. and one. They've since lost three straight. Uh, they lost to the Titans, where they scored 10 points. They lost to the Commanders, in which they scored 16 points. And, of course, they lost Sunday yesterday, where they scored uh, three points against the Patriots. The last two games, Ellinger started. And I, I think you're exactly right. Now, part of this is just being unlucky because Andrew Luck decided to call it a career. Mm. And then you roll with Brian Horry and Jacoby Brissett, and that's you don't have a choice. You're you're just trying to duct tape and chicken wire this thing together for a season and then reset. But the reset was Philip Rivers, which isn't a bad reset option. But again, that's a short term solution. He retired, and then it was Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz felt to me like okay, we're going down this road, and either it's going to work spectacularly or it's going to go over the cliff and the car is going to catch on fire before we hit the ground and we're going to die twice. And it ended up being the latter because Carson Wentz didn't work out. They gave up capital for that. I think most people, I don't know. I'm not trying to be a revisionist history here, but did you think that Carson Wentz thing had a chance of working out? No, I didn't either. And I I think Frank Reich hoping against hope, knowing his experience with, with Carson uh, in Philadelphia and how they had, they had this close relationship through the draft process. I, I thought they thought they could rekindle things because, um, 
here's the thing, and, and Billy, you might want to weigh in on this, because Frank Reich was a huge part of that Super Bowl run in Philadelphia. And everyone said once Frank Reich left, oh boy, Doug Peterson can't do this by himself with Carson Wentz in particular, because Frank Reich was sort of the soothsayer. Turns out <laughs> it wasn't all Doug Peterson and it wasn't all Frank Reich. And I think you're right. I don't think this is all on one person. But at some point, you can't just keep firing assistant coaches. <laughs> the buck has right. to stop with you. And it feels like Jim Irsay had finally had too many come-to-Jesus meetings and said, all right, something has to change. And, and that's part of it, too. I mean, you, you even go back to before, right before Frank Reich was hired. He wasn't even the number one choice. This oh, my was, gosh, I this was the, This was the Josh McDaniels hiring and all of a sudden going back to New England. And then they hire Frank Reich. And I think that there By was the way, it turns guys. out Josh McDaniels did him a favor. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that might be true. And, and so even just going from that standpoint too, it just felt like it was very clunky in terms of big picture decisions all the way up to ownership with Jim Irsay, whether it's going with, with Josh McDaniels and then it's Frank Reich. And then you try to fix the quarterback situations. And again, nobody knew that Andrew Luck was going to retire and all that, you know, that that's, that's just a tough situation to ultimately be in having to throw in Jacoby Brissett out of that first year. But at some point, you need to be better at evaluating what kind of quarterbacks, if you're going to go down that veteran that veteran quarterback path, you need to find better ones than old Phillip Rivers, sorry, Will, it, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan at the tail end of his career. I mean, I you know, you could have made a better case for a Jimmy Garoppolo over this summer than 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 Matt Ryan, in my opinion. And I don't think it would have cost you that much that much more. What do you think, Billy? No, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Like, especially when Doug Peterson was here and we lost Frank Wright, it was just like the especially when you saw Carson Wentz start to decline, especially coming back from that injury. The whole thing was like, oh, like, you know, Carson Wentz doesn't have his guy, he doesn't have Frank Wright anymore. Like, why would the Eagles ever let Frank Wright go? And to see everything fall into place how it did. And now him, you know, being released and not being the head coach of the Colts anymore and having, you know, somewhat some success with Phillip Rivers, I would say. And then just seeing the decline after that is just kind of disheartening and questioning like, OK, so like how good was Frank Wright really? Because he had Carson Wentz on his team and we thought when he got him that, you know, Carson Wentz was going to find his game again. And that just didn't happen. So what? did Frank Wright really do to help that Eagles team win a Super Bowl? That's that's what I know Philadelphia is worrying about and thinking about. So I, I really just don't know. But, um, yeah, it's just crazy how things have all panned out. And it's, it's funny. Crazy, it's crazy, too, real quickly. Uh, it's just when you look at – I mean, when you look at his statistics over the course of his tenure, too, I mean, in terms of just point differential, he's mm. top 10 in three out of his five years as head coach. And that is with all of that quarterback uncertainty. So – they were able to put up points. They were able to play defense, run the football, obviously, more recently with Jonathan Taylor. But the fact that they have not made the progressions in the postseason, I think, is mostly the, what we've seen so far. Obviously, last year, we all know in Jacksonville with Carson Wentz and oh, in that debacle, that was just... You Got know, the Steelers uh, into the playoffs, that terrible performance. Horrible. But that's the thing, some, though. And, but and some of it has to go on the coaching staff as well, as much as we're saying like that's on Carson Wentz not playing well and, and whatever. Yeah, Carson Wentz didn't trade himself to the Colts. Exactly. You need to game plan certain, and you actually have to know your personnel as well. So, I mean, yes, as much as we're saying, you know, the quarterbacks have been retreads and, and you're kind of just trying to figure it out on the fly, basically, you also need to coach it up as well. Okay, so I'll ask you guys this. Do you feel like the Colts weren't successful because of coaching? Because that's why I brought this up to Ryan before we started up the show is that like 
I didn't feel like the Colts weren't successful because of poor coaching. Like you can look at the uh, you can look at the Raiders and be like, they're not successful because of coaching. You can look at um, the Carolina Panthers. You can look at the Carolina Panthers. They're good because coaching is not good. I would say that the Colts weren't good because of coach coaching. They weren't good because of personnel, which lies with more so Ursay than it does Frank Wright. So, and I just feel like, I mean, obviously the owner's not going to fire himself, but at the same time, it's like, I mean, I just don't think he really deserved to be fired. That's that's just my opinion. Well, this is where I think it falls on Chris Ballard now, who is very much on the hot seat. It's the same thing that we're talking about. You know, we talk about their 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 performances and point differential, top ten out of three out of the five years that he was head coach. We're talking about the quarterbacks being the biggest issue on this team, like you were saying, Billy. I, it's not that the coaching was the biggest issue for the Colts over the last few years. It's been the quarterback, and so now you're getting rid of the head coach. There's nobody else other than Chris Ballard that you're looking at at this point, <laughs> saying you have to fix it, or or you got to go. You're the next guy out the door. Sully, you know it's funny, like we. Frank Reich obviously got fired. We fired Will Brinson, but here he is. He's here to talk about. He he ain't going away. Frank Reich could take a take a lesson from from Billy Brinson here. So Brinson, um, what did I mean? What did I what did I do wrong? Frank Reich. I just, I'm just making the joke that we always try to fire you. You, you refuse right, to leave. Right, yeah. You 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 are a squatter on the pick six. I, I do I do I do find it interesting that they fired Reich mid season because, like Ballard is, I I, I think. It, this mean this means to me that like I guess Chris Ballard turned on Frank Wright to save his own job, which yeah I I, I don't know and I only I only say and eh, because um Ursay's had these meetings with these guys more than than uh Bullcuts had the meetings with Josh McDaniels Mark Mike Dave, uh, Mark Mark Dave, Mike Dave, who's Mike Davis so I I think that Ursay he's a guy that has his finger in the pie I think that's a saying all the time so this isn't and I'm sure he said listen we got to get this fixed. I think I think as the old person's saying, but um, he's having these meetings. He's not talking about you know pie recipes to keep this going. He's talking about why is this team so terrible? Bitch, Matt Ryan. I'm assuming he said that. Get Sam Elgin in there. Make this thing work. Someone has to get fired after X loss, so they fire the offensive coordinator. And I think he's just going down the list of names. I think Chris Ballard's name is probably next on the to do list if something doesn't magically happen over the final two months. I, I think. I, I don't I don't know what they're gonna do with Chris Ballard. I'm I'm a little surprised they wouldn't just fire him like with Frank Wright. Like I don't I, I don't know what the point is. I do I also think that um Frank Wright talked Chris Ballard into getting Carson Wentz. Hundred percent. And I mean like Chris Ballard did not want to do it. You could hear it in his comments like when they first got Carson Wentz there. And I or say one hundred percent is still mad about Carson Wentz. Like, he's still holding a grudge about Carson Wentz. He's also, as you can see from the comments he made about Dan Snyder uh, earlier this offseason, he is very, he's like getting very uh, worked up in general. I think he, I just think he, I think he, he wants to win something. And, um, and he doesn't like the, he doesn't, and he's blaming Frank Wright for the problems because of the quarterback position. So, so you mentioned you were surprised that the order, I'm assuming, but Brian Jay in the comments asked, he was surprised that it happened midseason. Not a surprise that it happened though. I mean, how much longer are you supposed to sit through this? I guess I'm surprised that if you're gonna, I think I think it's probably good for Chris Ballard if Frank Reich is fired midseason. I don't think it's like turn this around or else you're fired too. I think it's like, you're, well, uh, taking a bigger picture, is it better for the Colts to fire Frank Reich now or later? I think. What do you? Why wait? Uh, sure. I mean, Gus why, are you, why are you hesitating? 
I, I, I mean, I, the Colts were done. The Colts, I mean, the Colts were probably done anyway. Well, let me just clarify. I was talking about you when you weren't here because I said for the first six or seven weeks, you were trying to prop the Colts up because they played a terrible division. They were three, two, and one at one point. Matt Ryan, he had to be benched. And you're like, well, there's, they're not out of it. That's the, that's what you would say. That's not an untruth, right? Uh, I mean, I, Billy pulled the tape. I already had him queued up. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, I don't think that's, that's not unreasonable. That's something that sounds like something you might say. But my point is that if they're still, you know, if they're still in it in your mind, keep Frank Rack around. But if you're not, if this team is rebuilding, what's what's the way? I mean, I think if you're if you're if you're if you're ditching Frank Wright, you're trying to like seek as low as possible to get the first to get the tie pick. Right, and they were kind of signaling that also. I mean, obviously with Allen, I think, I think it's a full blown tank job. Yeah, and the, right, and and the whole isn't the whole part of it too. And I was trying to look it up. I, I couldn't do it on the fly. But isn't part of the reason? Yes, Matt Ryan has a right shoulder injury. But isn't it also they owe him a ton of money if he plays a certain amount of snaps yeah, as well? That's like, right. So, I believe that's right. Yeah. So there's no there's no snap percentage thing in his contract. But if he gets hurt and he can't pass right. a physical, there he has to be able to pass a physical. Injuries. Yes, exactly. So that's that's what it is. And so. You know, you're 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 making those types of decisions just a couple of weeks ago. You're looking through the future. You're clearing out money. You're obviously starting Ellinger, and you know we all know at this point you, you saw it over the over the last couple of games here. He's clearly not the guy, but he's the perfect guy if you want to start tanking. You just roll yeah, that guy out. He's basis. a Curtis two point I mean, it's. Perfect. I I don't know. I don't think they're tanking because when you say you're tanking, that means that every player who their entire life has been extremely competitive and usually the best player on the field is buying into the, to the notion that no, okay, the players aren't buying in. You're just, you're just well, buying, but I don't think it's major, like, league, the, major league, the baseball movie where you're like, you're making it impossible for them to win by virtue of like taking everything. Like you nothing, the head coach. nothing's changed except you're getting rid of the guy who was calling terrible plays. How's that tanking? That feels like the opposite of tanking. The players are the same. You, you have a quarterback who's like, Never played it. Like you have Sam Ellinger and now like Gus Brad. I mean, did they, did they announce it? I know they tweeted out the thing. No, Ursay just tweeted it. Uh, just tweeted that they've moved on, but that's it. That's all I've seen. The Colts, so the Colts just sent a link out to make it okay. official. Yeah, I, I'm sure they named it's a one sentence article. But this so, is, but to go back really quickly, just on the overall like Frank Reich, is it his fault? Is it the Colts' fault? Is he not? Outside of Sean Payton, one of the more attractive head coaching candidates in the NFL. Well, it's funny. So what I was going to say, so his first year, Sully, he was 10 and 6. Then they went 7 and 9, 11 and 5, 9 and 8 last year. And this year, the wheels fell off. So it's not like this guy has been Josh McDaniels from day one or Matt Patricia to, to keep it in Sully's neighborhood. Frank will get another head coaching job. Well, if you're the Denver Broncos, you're not like, oh, <laughs> right? man, would we not love to swap this out? But they'll pull the reverse Josh Mack on him. Um, um, I also I also wonder if it's possible that the Colt that uh, Frank Reich met with Chris Ballard and Jim Irsay last night after the after getting absolutely smoked by the Patriots and was like, listen, we need to play like this Ellinger thing is not working. Like we need to we need to just play Matt Ryan if we want to try and win. And they're like, no, you're not playing Matt Ryan. He's like, I, I can't. Just, uh, theory or you got this based on theory? Oh, okay, I'm just I'm just asking. But like, and they're like, I can't. He's like, I can't coach if you're forcing me to you know coach like this and they're like well then you're fine it's kind of similar to what ryan was just saying about the players like you know they're not going to tank and maybe this is a coach who's saying like listen i can't coach to knowing that there's better options on the roster that i somehow can't be at that be at my disposal yeah i mean if yeah i think it's entirely possible that that they 
that this is the result of a meeting with Ursay that went down in a way that it, it just was it was it became clear that it wasn't tenable for Frank Reich and Chris Ballard and Jim Ursay to work together. They had too many fingers in the pie, I guess is what you're saying. So our buddy Greg Doyle, who writes for the Indy Star and, and used to work for CBS Sports way back in the day, and he's as, you know, as close to this as anyone. He's been in Indianapolis for, I think, a decade now. He thinks John, John Fox might be the interim. It's his speculative guess, which is interesting. He thinks Gus Bradley's too busy being the, the defensive coordinator. Um, so that would be interesting. Good old, good old John, Fox. John Fox was on that coaching staff. And I'll be honest, if it's John Fox, then you are 100% tanking. <laughs> I take back everything I just said. John Fox been to two Super Bowls, man. Uh, despite John Fox being on staff, I agree with that. That's the qualifier. Also, my first thought when Frank Wright got fired was that that's too bad for Frank Wright. My second thought was, can the Steelers hire him to replace Matt Canada? I'm not even joking. I mean, or the Patriots to replace uh... – no, Matt, we're happy with Matt Patricia. Oh, yeah. Thrilled. You see that yesterday? It was great. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Hey, you beat the Mac Jones. Mac Jones looks great, guys. A team without a coach. You beat a team without a coach. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I, I think that this is, a, I mean, to me, it's just a case of Ballard and Reich had been aligned for a very, for a pretty, for basically his entire tenure. I, I, I mean, I know this sounds, I swear this all comes back to Carson Wentz. Okay. I mean, you are, you like conspiracy theories. You like, it's, it's not conspiracy for- theory. Like, Wentz, Right was right. Who was in? Who won a Super Bowl in Philly with Wentz as the starting quarterback for most of that season until he got hurt in 2017. Um, believed in Wentz, brought him in. It went disastrously. The only way to replace Wentz was to like they had, they traded him away because and Ursay was pissed about that. Like Ursay wanted to fire everybody after the end of last year. Could not believe they missed the playoffs and lost to Jacksonville. Um, and lose a first round pick in the process. And lose mean, a first round pick. All the, all the elevators. Yeah, 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 of course. And um, and then you then you go and make the trade for Matt Ryan. And I think you can say, like, I mean, I, I think you can say that Ballard probably pointed back to the Wentz deal. Like he I mean, Ballard is Ballard's big about having his picks, he's big about his budget, like he's big about cleaning it up and 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 he and he and Frank worked great, but then like once Wentz took away that first round pick, once Wentz put his job on the line, because he vouched for Frank Wright, who's vouched for Carson Wentz. Um, and then you know, you're like, all right, the only guy we can go get is Matt Ryan. And that ends up poorly. It becomes like, all right, what are we going to do about this for in Ursay's mind? And at that point, Frank, you know, Carson or Chris Ballard, excuse me, is, is probably saying, listen, Frank, you know, Frank, Frank's sort of lost his fastball, Jim. Like, yeah. You know, and I don't know whether Chris Ballard could save his job, but I, I don't, I don't know that, I don't know that necessarily that Ursay wants to try and reboot at the end of. At the end of the season, I'm, I'm sure I, I just, you think about back to 2011 and 2012 with what they did with Luck and Peyton and Polian and and, and and Grigson and all that. Like, will he allow Chris Ballard to continue to make the selections and continue to hire the coach? Because I do think Urshay is so involved at this point as an owner, his hands all in that pie, um, that you know it, it's it, it may be too much for him to be able to like allow Chris Ballard to 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 handle the next, whatever, the, whatever's next. Well, what I find interesting too, I mean, obviously we're going to start thinking about like who could be the next head coach in the Indianapolis Colts. First name that comes to mind, if you reach your screen for the fences, it's Josh McDaniels, exactly. It, but for me, it's, it's Sean Payton. But isn't one of the main things that Sean Payton wants, or a couple of things, we've heard reports, he wants, he wants to be able to have control of the roster. Yep. Can't necessarily do that if Ballard's around. He also wants a top-tier quarterback, and he wants to be able to pick that. Now, if they get a high pick, 
you know, Ryan, you could tell me more about, you know, who if they get high enough pick, then who they should grab and all that kind of stuff. They're going to trade for Mac Jones, but go ahead. That's that's totally fine. I'll take the first round <laughs> as well. And so, I mean, we have Bailey Zappi now too, so it's totally fine. But for me, you look at what they've been able to, you know, what they what they have in front of them. Are they second, maybe, they're second place in the division, by the way? <laughs> well, here we go. They're also, going, they're also six, you know, six point uh, underdogs against the Raiders this week, and the Raiders look horrible. So speaking of Josh McDaniel, so. This team's not going to be good. Reve- oh, Colts revenge game against Justin Daniels. Jim Irsay revenge game. It's really, really just going to be a, a a great game on Sunday at four oh five. I'm sure. I'm sure it's, it's going to be on CBS. Be careful. It's going to be great. Well, I'm going to watch it. Of course, I'm going to watch it. But you know, again, with Sean Payton as probably the number number one target there, you need to set things up in a way. You can't just say like, all right, you know, Chris Ballard's our guy because you're going to completely eliminate probably the top candidate because he wants to have control of the roster. So maybe you're kind of waiting it out. They're saying just, all right, like, you know, at some point, you can move think, on. From I it. think that Jim Mercy's presence may be too much for uh, Sean Payton unless you have a sure. the number well, the one. The bigger issue is they don't have a quarterback. Sean Payton's not going to a team without a quarterback, and currently they have the 14th pick, which maybe gets you a rookie quarterback, but I don't know if Sean Payton wants a rookie quarterback. He'd probably have some, rather have someone like, go oh, say, Justin Herbert or mm-hmm. Tua Tagovailoa or someone in, in that conversation, not someone who's currently – playing in college so what do you guys well, think well, that was going to be my question ryan real quickly yeah. was you know how far do they have to go down to realistically get into obviously they're not going to get the number one overall pick but do you have to get into that top 10 for one of these quarterbacks to fall to you or is it you have to be top five where where, where are we with that so there'll be three or four uh, quarterbacks that go in the first round and you can get one as we sit here at, at 14 maybe you have to move up to 10 or something i don't right. think it's going to be a situation where you have to get into the top five because the, the reality is that Bryce Young is small, and some NFL teams are worried about that, but he is the best quarterback in this draft class. So that's the that's some other math you're going to have to do. The other guys all have, have issues, even though they're all 6'4 and 225 or whatever. So th- those are the considerations. C.J. Stroud is having a good season. I wouldn't call it a great season. I don't think he's better than Justin Fields was at this point coming to Ohio State. Will Levis has looked like crap, but his offensive line sucks, and he's been hurt, and Anthony Richardson is so incredibly raw that you could draft him if you're the Colts. He ain't going to be good for three years. So Sean Payton ain't signed up for that either. So yeah, that you know, this draft class is supposed to be miles better than last year's draft class at quarterback. It, it may end up being slightly better. Kenny Pickett was the only one to go in the first round, and obviously that's that's worked out swimmingly for the Steelers. But the next quarterback wasn't drafted until round three. So I wanted to mention this: seventy-four games. That's how many games Frank Wright coached in Indianapolis? What was his record? Don't cheat or cheat if you want. If you're John Breach, how many games did he win? I'll just ask you that. Out of seventy-four, how many did he win? Five, five seasons, four and a half seasons. I'm not cheating. I'm, I'm doing the math of like to 500. Because um, I think his winning percentage is probably like 60, uh, no, like 57%. All right. You, you can do percentages if you 40, want. 42 games. Yeah, I'll okay. say he's around like 10 games over 500. Oh, you guys are, are close. I think Brunson cheated for sure because he was way too close with the percentages and the actual number. Of I divided games. 74 by two and then like added some games. <laughs> like that's, I mean, it's 40. 51. 40, 33, and 1. So you guys are, b- are both right. And, and I mentioned that because it is not uncommon for successful coaches to get fired. I, I looked this up quickly. Tony Dungy in twenty in 2001 got fired after going 9-7. and seven. We know how that ended for the for the Bucks. They won the Super Bowl the next year with, with John Gruden. Schottenheimer got fired in 06, which you forget about because he refused to play Phillip Rivers. And they kept running the ball 5 million times. Uh, he had a winning season. He do you know what, it, Oh, my God, I forgot about this. Do you know what Marty Schottenheimer's record was in 2006 when he got fired? Uh, yeah, he won like 13 games. 14 and 2. <laughs> what a world. 14 and 2. It's unbelievable. Mike Malone, 
2017 in that sort of, I think he was, he was like sort of the interim or, or something. It was something weird. He was Mike Malarkey with the Titans. He went nine and seven in no, he went in the playoffs back to back years. And he got fired. They, yeah. they lost to the chiefs and the Marcus Mariota caught the pass. They, they threw the pass to himself, caught it. Oh yeah. Scored. They lost, but they lost to the chiefs in that playoff game. And everybody knew that like, if they somehow didn't beat the chiefs in the playoffs, he was going to get fired anyway. Because so, they hired Vrabel, but I will say this: like it worked out for the Buccaneers. I think Tony Dungy got the short end of the stick, and and John Gruden won with Dungy's players, no doubt. But Tony but, Dungy won too, right? My point is that the the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl and won it, which is what you want to do. Um, and Dungy had to be the scapegoat. But Mike Malarkey got fired. They hired Mike Vrabel. You could hire. You could argue that that, that was a good hire because Vrabel's a, a good football coach. Lovey Smith got fired in 2012. Um, he had an 81 and 63 record. He had gone 10 and six that year. And, and he got fired, and they hired John Fox, which you could say was an F-minus hire. And then finally, do you guys remember who – I know Sully doesn't because he was probably didn't have a beard at that point – who Schottenheimer, who his successor was, Brunson, in San Diego uh, at the time? Yeah, it would have been uh, Norfender, right? Norvell, you got it. So there, this isn't a, a, a one-off. Winning coaches get fired all the time, um, although these are different in that these, these coaches actually had winning seasons their final year at those destinations, whereas say, Frank Reich – um, so is he going to be employed as a head coach next year? Um, I'd say there's a – what's his winning percentage? 54%? Yeah, that's great. 54% chance he gets uh, he's employed as a head coach next year. Same as his winning percentage. He's an offensive guy. Carolina Panthers have a top three pick. What about Carolina? I mean, yeah, I think – I mean, Carolina would – he would be a huge upgrade for the Panthers. I, I think it would be a great upgrade for the Panthers. I mean, I think if you're Frank Wright, you have to, re- you have to think about whether that's a good – like – Right. So you remember like uh Rex Ryan took the Bills job. Um John Fox took the uh took the Bears job. You know, a lot yeah, you know, uh Lovey Smith, I mean, took the ta- I mean like a lot a lot of times when you if you're a re- if you're a if you're a repeat if you're a uh no not a repeat like a you're you're a, a second time head coach. Thank you. I don't know what the hell I was going for there, Sully. Um, retread. I think you're going for retread. Retread is what I was going for. Thank you. If you're a retread head coach, you need to be a little more cautious, I think, about your job selection. And a lot of times these guys who are coming off that first head coaching job got fired, know they can still coach, know they can be a good head coach, want to dive back in immediately. And I think that, you know, like you, you know, you, you see like you take a, you're taking a year off, Maybe you have a better, maybe you have better options. Like you see, Sean Payton doing it. Mike McCarthy uh, did it, and I know that. I mean, you know, he, I mean, Doug Peterson did it, and he ended up with Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. I mean, right. again, you know, that's not out of the realm of possibility here for Reich at all. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Ryan just shared a, a very old takes exposed uh, situation seven days ago. Uh, NFL.com reported <laughs> Frank Reich's job is considered to be safe. Whoops. Wasn't that the whole thing too? And I, this is something I should remember, is you know, because this is what you're saying. Will is a narrative that we up here experienced a ton with Josh McDaniels. You take a million interviews, it always get close, be a finalist, and then you know come out and you know leave at the last minute. Obviously, Indianapolis was a big one. He accepted the job and then left. A lot of people with the conspiracy theory was like, did he know about Andrew Luck, and is that why he decided to leave? But like you're saying. Right. These coaches need to be very particular in that next spot because, and I think we're seeing it now with Josh McDaniels, if this doesn't work out with him in, in Las Vegas, he's a coordinator for the rest of his career. 
And the same thing could be said with Reich here if he doesn't pick this next spot right. So a, a year off might be the best course of action. Well, here's the other thing to follow up on that, Sully. And look, this isn't the call-out NFL or a rap sheet, just to point out that a lot probably happened in the last seven or eight days. I think I think this goes back to the Josh McDaniels thing, though, um, and, and whoever's going to be next. All of this is like Jim Irsay is not a patient or necessarily um, was not sane, but like – Oh if, you're, if, you're, if you're working for the Colts, there's, there's, there's an emotional, uh, there's an emo, there's emotions that go into the decisions. It's not necessarily a surgical. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, that's a good way of putting it. A little, little, little more politically correct than, than, than Brinson. But what I was going to say, Sully, maybe perhaps not being a head coach is in the best interest of Josh McDaniels and, and uh, Frank Reich. Because I say all the time, like these coaches, these hot new Offensive or defensive coordinators get hired for head coaching jobs, which are completely different job descriptions, and people are act surprised when they suck at it. Well, you're asking, uh, you know, uh, a guy who's a medical doctor to be really good at, at building houses. And guess what? They both use tools, but they're different tools, and the expectations, I think, have to be tempered in that respect. So less pressure, less uh, management responsibilities, and if you're really good at X and O's, embrace it. You know, I, I mean, it's easy for me to say a lot of this is just guys that are ultra competitive and, and want to be the best of the best. And I get all that as well. But I think there's a lesson to be taken from Nick Saban being like, you know what? <laughs> NFL ain't for me, fellas. Uh, peace out. I'm going to go win a bunch of football games in college. And, and mm -hmm. I know that we're obviously we're talking, you know, the, the Carson Wentz thing is I, I would put 80, 90 percent on Frank Reich. I, that's totally yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But for at sure. the same time, you are talking about a head coach which who's in a very impossible situation of having a different week one starter for every year that he was the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. That's a yeah. tough thing for Bill Belichick, Don Shula, whoever, you know, the all-time greats to deal with, let alone Frank Reich. Yep. Hey, let me let me ask this quickly. Just um, uh, what do you want to do? Well, I, I need to go. I have to go uh, join our pal Adam Gold. Okay, well, I'll ask Sully this. Thank you for, for hopping in. All right. Uh, and then we'll get out of here. You can wrap it up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just got one one more question. Sully let's talk about something. Good day. What do you think about the idea? I don't know how closely you follow college football. What do you think about the idea of thinking outside the box with someone like Lane Kiffin, who is incredibly successful at Ole Miss, has been incredibly su successful as, as a college coach, had some success um, with the Raiders. I think they were in Oakland. I can't remember how long ago. It's been so long ago. But he ha he's a loose cannon. I mean, there are stories where it's not a story. It's the truth. Nick Saban left him on the runway at the airport because he was goofing around and not showing up on time. But in terms of getting the most out of his players, being innovative as offensive mind, is that do you want to think outside the box if you're the Panthers or the Colts? Or is that a, a bridge too far? Maybe a little bit of a bridge too far for the Indianapolis Colts, kind of what we were, <laughs> because what we were saying Correct. with Ursay, and I don't know if that's the I don't know if that's the winning formula. I mean, who knows? Maybe it is. <laughs> maybe maybe it's maybe it's it's just it's it's rocket fuel and it sends them to the moon. But ultimately, I don't know if that's necessarily the right way to go. But also, I mean, whether it was because it's all in the same coaching hiring cycle, I guess whether it was McDaniel's or Frank Reich. There was offensive minds, a little bit more of a conservative type of decision at the time to bring those guys along. Maybe there is something to be said for doing something a little bit different. I, I would almost lean a little bit more defensive than I would. Offensive. Really? I would. I really would, because I think we're almost oversaturating 
the market with offensive-minded head coaches. Sully, would you hire a defensive guy to call offensive plays, for example? I, I don't know if I would do that. I don't, <laughs> as we've seen, I don't know if I'd have a, a former special teams coordinator as the quarterback's <laughs> coach. So, But again, you know, you never to know. To each their own. <laughs> to each their own, exactly. But I think I think maybe kind of zag. If you're going to go in sort of a, a different direction, I would do something along those lines. Maybe uh, his, his name's escaping me, but the San Francisco defensive coordinator who um, – he, he's he's someone who I would. Hey, again, to your point, at. Robert Sala was the former San Francisco defense coordinator. Sure. And by the way, who you know who the the Colts' former defensive coordinator was a man named Matt Eberflus, who's doing okay in Chicago. Sure, you know, took so him, they took him a while to figure it out, and they got they had that offense that would appear to be on the right track. So you you might be onto something. That that's Demico Ryan's I would look at. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's. Thank yes, you, Demico Ryan's. You, Thank you very much. That that's who. Again, that's a, a, a kind of a decision that I would I would look at. Maybe not going into the college ranks and trying to find. You're you're more likely to find Matt Rule 2.0 than you are. That's the a good next point. Great, the next great college head coach. Uh, the reason that Kevin's name came up came in my mind is because he is so sort of outside the box, unconventional in, in every aspect, but he gets results, and, and sometimes that's what's uh, appealing to to owners who are tired of losing. Yeah, but it's not like he's Mike McDaniel. I mean, I, again, I don't fo- I follow college as much, but it's not like he's like eccentric, like like Mike McDaniel. He's kind of just more of a. <laughs> a, a little bit different, right? He's, like he's, he's like a frat guy. Yeah, so <laughs> he's really good at football. <laughs> so I, I don't know if that. I'd rather the the kind of nerdy uh, weirdness than I would the the fratty, you know, college bro. If that's I actually like your the theory about the perhaps leading into the defense. That, that's a, that's a good point. I'm going to give you credit for that when I steal it from now on going sure. forward until it doesn't work. Um, Billy, anything <laughs> else you want to hit on? Or is that good? I'll take that to mean Billy's fine with where we're at. I think we covered it. Yeah, all right. Sully, thank you for joining me, and thank you for joining uh, Brinson on his podcast as he goes on to do bigger <laughs> bigger, and better things. Uh, best of luck to Frank Reich. Hopefully that job interview in Pittsburgh as the offensive coordinator goes well because we need you. And uh, that's it. That's the emergency pod for the Colts moving on from Frank Reich. We'll see what they, they do going forward. But for now, they do not have a full-time head coach. Sit there at 3-5-1. Yeah, it's not a very good football team. All right, Sully, thank you. We'll talk later, guys.